You ever wanted to try cyberbullying? Well, now you can. Bully us and we'll bully you. Follow us on social media and give it a go. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Y-O-U-H-8-2-C-I-T. Or you can search for You Hate to See It on Facebook or YouTube. You can also visit our link tree to find all of our links. Just visit L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Y-O-U-H-8-2-C-I-T. Again, that's Y-O-U-H-8-2-C-I-T. Welcome to this week's episode of You Hate to See It. I'm Adam. I'm Jeff. I'm Nick. And uh, this week we are joined by a very special guest. Um, we are joined by star of E.T., The Hills Have Eyes, and 266 other acting credits. <laughs> um, welcome D. Wallace to the to the show. <laughs> Thanks, boys. I almost said hi. I'm D. Yeah. <laughs> I will have allowed it. I I'll just cut it. I'll edit it around it so you do. <laughs> okay. You co-host. Yeah. So I mean, welcome to the show. What's what's been going on recently in your life? Oh dear God! Don't start with that. <laughs> you know, we'll never get through anything else. <laughs> Um, I've got 12 films coming out. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Holy jeez. Two TV shows. Yeah. Um, lots of convention appearances. I'm just, you know, my new book just came out. I'm, I'm a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> a little busy. Yeah. Uh, but I love it. it you know, if you don't stay busy, you get old. And at my age, I can't afford to do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, just going through all of the stuff that you've done. I was like, I don't know how this lady finds time for any of this. And like going through all your editing arts and then finding out that you also have a teaching degree and have taught high school. And I was like, what yeah. else? Like, what all? <laughs> I yeah, I taught um, theater and English in ninth and 10th grade. How and let me tell you that that was close to a horror film itself <laughs> no that adds up a bunch yeah. of just prepubescent and, and puberty teens and stuff well i loved them i i really did i love teaching i i've been a teacher all my life i've had my own dance studio had my own acting studio out here for 18 years one of the biggest acting studios and, you know, I do all this healing work now and I, I teach every time I speak and do a private session, I'm teaching. Yeah. So, so I, just to kind of get started going at the early, some of the earliest stages of your careers. If I can remember them. Okay. <laughs> um, well, so you start your, I would say your first breakout bigger role would be in uh, the hills have eyes uh with yeah Raven. literally was my first starring role yeah um what was what was that like working with someone as um i would say as smart with cinema as wes was um at well, the early stages know, of his career yeah i mean wes 
also was a teacher. He was a professor. Mm -hmm. So his directorial style when I worked with him was very quiet, very subdued. Um, he knew what he wanted, but but it was kind of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then you kind of ran with it. Um, yeah, he's very smart. And I found him to be very kind. Even though he did allow me to put a tarantula on me when they <laughs> told me it couldn't hurt me. <laughs> and then afterwards, I found out that they can't hurt you as long as you milk them first. I said, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> milk a tarantula. I guess to get all the poison out of it. I said, okay, so if you hadn't milked it enough, I could have gotten, well, yeah, but you know, we had guys that knew what they were doing. Well, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it back was, in the seventies. <laughs> it was in the seventies. It was, it was a union picture, but I think we all were getting paid scale, you know, it was like somebody asked me one time, well, were you really concerned about the, you know, the film and how it was written and, and, and all the gore and everything? And I said, dude, what was my first starring part? I just was going, yay, yeah. I get to star in a movie. I don't care what it's about. <laughs> you know this is my so, first lead role fucking milk the spider already let's go seriously, seriously. Uh, the term so milk the spider tough. we shot in the mojave desert which is scorching during the day and freezing at night and all of us stayed in one trailer and the bathroom would break it was it was kind of, let's put on a show, right? <laughs> so I, I spent a lot of time in my car. And after the first week of driving back and forth to Woodland Hills in the Mojave Desert, my, my husband looked at me and said, you can't, do, this isn't safe anymore. So I just took my little salary and I booked a Motel 6. And that's where, where I stayed during the shooting. Jesus. How yeah, long were you guys really... out there? Oh, you know, how many years ago was that? <laughs> My bad. Okay, okay. first question like, I asked. <laughs> I don't know. Three weeks, probably. <laughs> Three weeks, probably. Sorry, I forgot. It was apparently long ago, and you have 266 other actors. Yeah. So, I understandable. Mean, you know, I was at Scares at Care convention last week, and somebody brought me a picture, and they said, could you sign your character? And I went, could you that? look up who I was, please? Yeah. I don't have a clue what her name was. I mean, you know, my my movies that I sign all the time like Cujo and the Howling and E.T. and the Frighteners and Critters I remember their names but boy bring me bring me something you know that was a smaller film that just whoop, went into my my uh, shooting schedule I don't have a clue anymore that's when you have I mean, to start telling people that like telling uh, casting directors that your character's name is Dee 
just forever. <laughs> I'm always going to be named D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want that either. But <laughs> fans, sometimes they really do believe that you're the character. So yeah. <laughs> I think I need that distance between, you know, the character's name and my name. Yeah. Um, so working on uh, that movie, so we just talked to uh, one of your co-stars of that movie a couple weeks ago, oh. um, Susan. Susan Lanier, oh yep. yeah, I love Susie. So do, do you have any fun stories to maybe embarrass her a little bit or? <laughs> I wish I, I wish I did. Let me tell you, we were all just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Seriously, we were just all trying to get through it. And Susan was really the star of, of the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was a it was a group effort, you know, she was when we were hired considered the star. Maybe she got more than scale. But, <laughs> oh. uh, but no, not really. I I just remember her being really supportive and um, and really nice. We got to be good friends yeah. during it. I wish I had some shit to throw, but no, <laughs> I don't. So my next question, this is purely for my own enjoyment and entertainment. Um, so oh, no. no, so oh. my absolute like i so i love this and it's going to be a weird thing that i'm bringing up I, what was it like being working on here comes the monsters in 1995 to then now we're working on the new monsters movie with a different cast what was what's what was that like returning to the monster Boy, i'd like to be inside your head first of <laughs> I all love, it's I like it's like show. opening up a bag oh, and just getting sprayed I, yeah. my, my parents grew up on making me watch black and white tv shows so like that's all of my knowledge is like even like well so- it's an entirely different experience first of all uh i wish rob had not released it the way he did mm-hmm. you know i've done five pictures with rob zombie when Rob calls and he asks me to do something, I just say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am only doing a voiceover yeah. in the new Munsters. And I did it in my closet <laughs> <laughs> with a professional mic. And I sent it to him and he went, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's a vastly different experience doing something at the very beginning of your career that's on camera, yeah. you know, and then doing it with an iconic director like Rob Zombie and doing a voiceover. It's not even in the same world. Um, so you, uh, you mentioned in your uh, TED talk that I watched uh, that oh, you're your mother was acted in local theater. Um, so yeah. I was wondering how, how that maybe influenced uh, your career, especially your early career going into it. My mother, my mother has influenced my life and my career more than anybody else mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and then next to that was my acting teacher, Charles Conrad, when I found him. But my mother, uh, 
would do a lot in community theater. She worked as a secretary because we were pretty poor. And she also directed all the religious plays at church. And she also gave 30 minute, what we call now monologues. And people from four states would come to watch my mother perform. And I remember sitting in the church pew watching her give this 30 minute monologue about the crucifixion. And grown people all around me were sobbing. And I thought, oh, I wanna do this. I wanna move people like my mommy does. Mm -hmm. And you know, at a very early age, in order to help pay the bills, they started me modeling. I looked kind of like Shirley Temple. I had the little ringlets. <laughs> and, and she bartered her secretarial um, skills to get me dance lessons from the time I was very little. So I really started out being a dancer. Uh, I was a soloist with a couple of ballet companies very small companies <laughs> in the Midwest. And my my teacher, who was a prima ballerina, took me aside. She said, D, you will always be good, but you will never be great. If you want to be great, go do something else. So I went, all right, I'll go be an actress. I know how to do that. <laughs> Yeah, but it was the best thing she ever did for me because yeah. she knew I wanted she knew I wanted to succeed the highest I could succeed. Did you end up like doing any of like the small local stuff too? Or did you kind of like just kind of like oh, were you one of the, the people day, that moved off and from the day I was uh, three or four years old, I performed around town huh? for the music clubs and you know, every Christmas when my family gets together um we each get up and perform something you know um so we we still keep it going I've lost both my brothers now so probably we won't keep that tradition going anymore but um yeah I could get up and give you a reading right now but I won't (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's your like favorite memory of like being on stage or anything before your career in movies and TV really took off? Oh, I've never been asked that question. You get a gold star. Man, we're um, getting one every and, interview now. Let, and she's a go. teacher, so the gold star means something. Yeah. <laughs> it carries weight. Yeah. I think it would have to be, I did a play in Kansas City called Mary Mary by Jean Kerr. And it was in a community theater. And then when I got to New York, I wanted to study with Uta Hagen and you had to take a performance piece in. And I met this guy at a party. Yes, I'm that kind of girl. And (laughs) he said, oh, I'll audition with you. He had already studied. And I said, well, I'm going to do this scene from this little play I did called Mary. He went, D, 
you can't do that for Uta Hagen. You've got to do a classic. I mean, she's going to, you're not going to last five minutes in that audition. I said, I don't care. I know this and I, and I know I'm good at it. And that's what I'm going to do. So we went into Uden, we went into audition. And like four minutes in, she said, I'm going to stop you right there. And he looked at me and went, see, didn't even make five minutes. He said, she said, where did you study? I said, Miss Hagen, my, my best teacher was my mom. And she looked at me and she said, well, she taught you really well. And I want you in my class. And I looked at him. If I could have gone like this <laughs> in front of her, I would have. But, you know, that's what I want to say to everybody who is out there wanting to follow their dream. Screw what everybody else tells you. You know, you got to know what you want to do here. And then just go for it. I mean, everybody, I'd never been out of Kansas in my life, you guys, when I moved to New York. And everybody said, are you crazy? Nobody knows you. And you don't know anybody. And you think you're going to go to New York and be an actress. I said, yep, I do. <laughs> I'm going to be a movie star. So off I went. And do you know, from the time I left Kansas, till the time I started in ET was just a little over five years. Yeah, geez. And it's unheard of. Yeah. But you, got you, know, that. you can't, you just can't listen to everybody else. You just got to go do it. Yeah. You have that Hollywood dream that like you only ever see in movies. Yeah. Like TV shows and everything. Yeah. Uh, I, seriously, I do. And the um, one, the one dream in my life i i have created everything else the one thing i haven't created is broadway and i would still like to do something on broadway so you just mentioned et um what i i guess really just what was that like getting that role having someone as great as steven spielberg on that someone who would turn out to be great like drew barrymore like working like with all the animatronic kids, all the kids were phenomenal mm -hmm. they were they were like working with little adults all of them um of course steven's a genius we all know that but what was lovely about watching steven on the set was he really became a kid himself. He loves it so much. He loves what he does so much. And to watch him work with the kids was really sweet. And he worked with me like he worked with the kids. So I was, I, I don't know, I fit right in. I, I, my technique, I don't think about stuff. I don't break stuff down. I don't plan out how I, I just become the character and let the character tell me where to go. So I was, I was in heaven, you know, um, the hardest thing for me in ET was the waiting. Oh my God. <laughs> I was there every freaking day, whether I was scheduled to work or not. Yeah. What was, how difficult was it working with uh, a, animatronic or a puppet or whatever for not at all look 
you know, because of the kids, E.T. was always put away until he was in a scene. <laughs> and then one of the little people, I hope I'm politically correct in honoring you by using that term, but they would, you know, put them in the suit. And you know how we got the great E.T. walk. Uh, Matthew Demerit was a little boy who had no legs. And they would put him in upside down and he would walk on his hands. And that's how we got E.T.'s distinctive walk. And he, he got around that set on a skateboard. You would never, you would never have known, you would never have looked at him as, as disabled. Mm -hmm. You know, he went out and played <laughs> basketball with the kids. Uh, at lunchtime and yeah it was pretty heartwarming to see all the kids they were just really good kids you know I I vaguely remember hearing of some story where because Drew like didn't Drew actually think that E.T. was real and oh yeah and oh, at yeah. one point I think like I heard like E.T. like fell over and they just had like had him laying there and she thought that something was wrong with him or something and freaked I, out. I don't know that story but at the very beginning of the shoot E.T. was standing in a corner and Drew went over and just started talking to him and Stephen walked by and went oh my god because you know kids don't know the difference between reality and fantasy they go in and out of it like yeah. that and so from then on, Stephen had two guys running E.T. the entire time, just in case Drew came over to talk to him, <laughs> to keep him alive for her. Yeah. And then moving on to some of your other uh, roles, uh, you are considered, and I don't know if you like this term or not, a scream queen um oh i am aren't i okay. i i just uh i've heard i know uh susan hated that term she hates she refuses to be called a scream queen ever. well i embrace it look <laughs> all my fans know that i do everything yeah i mean i do family films i do christmas films i do horror films i do i do it all i mean this year i think so far, I've got three or four horror films coming out, two family films, a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, 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 yeah, I don't take umbrage at that at all. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a pretty damn good screamer. <laughs> um, so how would you say you kind of started getting into more and more of these horror films after the hills i started eyes. screaming really well okay <laughs> and you they just, went oh let's could, get her she knows how to scream yeah. uh you know i didn't go looking for horror films um after i did um uh, the hills have eyes i did 10 which is a comedy and then i went into the howling and then it, you know, I started attracting a lot of horror films. I think 
one, it's because I don't, I don't do it for the horror of it. I make all my characters really real and really hook them mm -hmm. and uh, allow the emotion to come from the heart of the character and people identify with that. And I'm a good screamer yeah. <laughs> and, I'm a good, and I'm a good crier. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a really full emotional life that allows me to do it all. And I like doing it all. I, I would get bored with a career that doesn't use me from here to here. Mm -hmm. Use everything that I am. Yeah, you didn't limit yourself to one little niche genre or anything? Yeah, or one emotional genre, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about horror films. Horror films, if they're written well, and especially the older ones, give you an opportunity to develop a lot of character and play really big arcs emotionally. And I like that. I like all the colors. Yeah. Well, especially, yeah. Like, especially with all the, the older horror by today's standards, like really wouldn't be considered horror. It's more psychological thriller kind of thing with really well, deep characters. On... And, and then you got like your slasher films, but yeah. that's like... Yeah, that I, was I don't have any interest thing. in doing slasher films. I just <laughs> turned down two. Okay. Well, what would you consider... No, bear with me. I haven't seen it since high school. Uh, Cujo. <laughs> well, oh, you... Cujo is definitely a psychological thriller. Okay. For sure. I mean, it's all the mind of the dog versus the mind of the mom. Mm -hmm. and, and the wits that they, you know, come into battle uh, with. For me, Cujo was always about, always about the link that a mother's love would go to for her child. That's what drove me through the whole scene. I have to save my kid. I have to save my kid. I, I love, that's one of my favorites. That's, that's, <laughs> that's one of my the, favorite film. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I remember watching it between periods in high school over the course of like two weeks. <laughs> Jeez. What a what a weird way to break that up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Three minutes at a time. Like, I, I think you should watch it again. You I, I okay. didn't get the uh, full impact. I, I love no, I, I love it. It's probably my favorite Stephen King film. Um well it's his. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like people forget about Kujo with like the shining and thing. Oh, I don't or, think they it, forget it, about it. it. it yeah. Yeah. I I mean I when I do the cons I I get as much interest about Cujo as I do ET. Okay. Yeah. So and you right. know what I hear the most is adults will come up to me and go, Oh my god, D, I watched it when I was young, and then I just watched it with my kid. It's a whole different picture when you're a parent, <laughs> you know. It, the experience is a whole different experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I also watched the uh, TED talk that you did. Uh, around when did oh, you start? You. When did you start like kind of going down the route of helping guide people through? 
just know, their lives spiritually. I have, I have always channeled ever since I was a little girl, which most kids do, by the way. You know, we call them their imaginary friends and their imagination and all that, but they really are still connected through that portal until uh, four or five when we all teach them that, well, you can't do that. That's not okay. And that's weird. Um, You know, so I've always channeled, uh, but I just think I... I just think I was born to help people. Um, I help people in my acting. Uh, I help people in my teaching, um, whatever it is I teach. And I really help empower people in my, in my healing work. Uh, my strength is to be able to look into somebody's energy find out where their blocks are. I can tell them pretty much the age they started, that block started with, who it started with, usually the parents, sometimes the grandparents. Every once in a while, it's a teacher. But what people don't realize is our brains around our self-esteem and how we see ourselves in the world and how we see the world seeing us totally locked in our brains by eight years old. So whatever you're taught or whatever you're modeled in front of you, by the time you're eight, from the time you're born, you think that's the way the world is. And you think that's the way life is. And you start building your life on those usually false and limiting beliefs. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember you mentioning it's something like around five is like the age of when kids get like limited or something. I can't remember exactly what you said. A quote from like a study that like the age of five kids get like their minds change. Five is when you know what we call the veil drops, Mm -hmm. and you don't you lose your naivete. And you start getting socialized and people start going, no, honey, you can't talk about your imaginary friend at school. And, you know, we start being indoctrinated into closing down our channel that everybody is born with. Everybody, everybody that's listening to this show right now can channel. Because all the information's just hanging out right up here. But you have to ask for it. You have to trust yourself. And you can't be scared. First of all, everything's energy. We learned that in fifth grade. There's no positive energy. There's no evil energy. There's only energy. And energy has to be directed. But most of us aren't directing what we want. We're taught to say what we don't want. I don't want to have to worry about money. I don't want to not have enough money. Well, great, but the universe is going, and your brain, by the way, this is brain science, your brain thinks in pictures. So if you keep saying what you don't want, 
your brain keeps seeing you giving yourself what you don't want. And you keep repeating the same patterns over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's crazy simple, but you have to be conscious enough to catch yourself. And they have no comment. Did you see? They're all yeah. confused. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Nick was pondering the entire time. I, I don't know if he had anything to follow yeah. that. I uh, unfortunately got off work uh, just now, <laughs> so I didn't have time to watch the TED Talk. So I am completely blindsided <laughs> and have way too many questions because I don't know what's happening exactly. <laughs> so I, I have more questions Ask uh, your questions, uh, Nick. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> all right, fine. Um, when you say block, like, is it is it a specific like moment that happened in someone's life? Is it a like you said person? Is it a specific thing that that person has it done? It can be. It can be all the above. I'll give you some good examples. Okay, so I can hear my grandmother say, "They're the rich people. We're the good people." <laughs> right. <laughs> So rich people are bad. God doesn't love rich people. Only the meek inherit the earth, right? So cut to me being 32, starring in ET, catapulted to fame, making a lot of money. And my little girl inside went, oh my God, you better pull yourself back. You're one of them. So... Our little kids that have learned all these limiting things that are not correct are trying to protect our adult self, but that makes us fight ourselves. Within ourselves, we're literally fighting ourselves. Uh, another example is I watched my grandmother take care of my grandfather after he had a lot of strokes. My mother took care of my alcoholic father. So what was modeled in front of me was women take care of men. And it took me a lot of relationships <laughs> to figure out, I don't freaking want this. I, I want a man who is self-secure and, and full and complete within himself and I want to be that within myself and I want to come together and make a strong relationship. Mm -hmm. But I want to be taken care of as much as he wants to be taken care of, right? Yeah. So that's what I mean. If you really want to find out where the blocks are that you're trying to break through in your life, like money, write down everything you were taught about money or everything that you watched your parents or heard your parents do around money and you'll very clearly see where you're blocked you'll see where your beliefs are is it is it imperative to clear these blocks or would that create more conflict well sure you gotta clear them but i don't use that word no i use redirect energy needs direction we're all energy so you have to take your energy and redirect it and your brain to think the more powerful, empowering thoughts that are going to give you what you want. Money's great. I love money. <laughs> Money's powerful. We all love money. We know that. 
And yet our little kids go, oh no, you can't have too much money. Oh, be careful. And, you know, and what I want to say to everybody, this is what they talk about, sins of the fathers being passed down, you know. Money has no power. Your consciousness and what you choose to do with money, that's what makes money powerful. So it's all up to you whether you're a good person with money or a bad person with money. Who the thunk that on uh, doing an interview with a movie star, we were going to be thinking <laughs> like this? I know I spent half my life doing horror films and the other half teaching people how to heal from fear. Yeah. Somehow that dichotomy works really well for me. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I, okay. So I got, I'm ready now. All right. Nick's uh, fired up. All right. Uh, what is it? So I like his little arms pumping. Yeah, like no, this. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. <laughs> I, I got Marcus Aurelius coming out now. Um, okay, so if all if, if, if everything's energy and we all have a block and it's about redirecting the energy, where does acceptance come into it? Is acceptance well, is sure. it about accepting the blockage? Is it accepting that the blockage can't be cleared? Is it all of it? Is it okay? So this thought is fucking me up. I don't want to be <laughs> fucked up, I want to be powerful. What belief, how can I teach my brain to think that powerful thought instead of subconsciously just defaulting to that thing that I was taught? But you got to accept, you know, if you're fat, you got to accept you're fat and you want to lose weight if you're going to want to lose weight, right? You can't say I'm not fat, but I want to lose weight. Because your, your subconscious goes, well, that's bullshit. You know you're fat. Yeah. So, no, we, we have to acknowledge the truth of where we're at right now. And then we get to choose how to redirect that energy into becoming more powerful. I never, I've, I don't know. I'm so excited that someone <laughs> finally explained things to me while cursing at me. Yeah. <laughs> this makes so much more sense now when well, saying I, fuck. I told you, you know, I, I really want people to know they can swear, have a glass of wine and be really spiritual at the same time. I, as you can see, my eyes don't roll in the back of my head and I don't start speaking in tongues when I channel. I do use a pendulum. So that's my yes. Show me my no. Show me my maybe. See, I'm not moving my hand at all. But this is like reading tarot. Uh, it's like kinesiology that a lot of the doctors use, muscle testing, um, throwing runes. They're all, they are all tools that if you are open 
align your channel and bring in information for you. However, before I ever start working, I say, all right, my heart's open, my chakras are open. My intention and my command to energy is that I only get the highest information, the highest knowledge, and the highest understanding through divine love. Because if you do your work through love, you can't ever get screwed. What would be, to someone who, who until today never thought of it, or uh, who is a complete and total novice, um, what would be your best piece of advice, your, your number one recommendation for someone saying, all right, I want to open up. I want to receive, I want to channel. I want to. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> find somebody, I'm horrible at this. <laughs> find somebody that you connect with and start learning. But you see, you have to make that choice and, and you have to make that choice and go, all right, I'm making this strong choice for myself. My, not I want to, my channel is open. I am a channel. I trust my channel. And I am getting the highest information, the highest knowledge and the highest understanding. The highest understanding is where most people fall out. But if you are the director of energy, which you are, okay, nobody can think a thought for us feel a feeling for us or hold a belief for us that we don't say yes to. That makes us the God of us on this plane, correct? Everybody yes. in agreement? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you've got to take responsibility over your own energy and go, you're going this way and this is what I'm going to bring in. You know, in the good book, it says, ask and you receive. But what most people don't know is the original meaning of ask in Hebrew is claim or demand. This will be delivered to me now. Hmm. I feel like I was on a soapbox there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I get really excited when I talk about this shit, you know, because it changes people's lives. It's changed my life, you know, in my, and I know you're going to show it at the end, but in my new book, Born, I tell all kinds of stories about what has happened to people when they started implementing and living the formula that I write out in Born. I mean, you can read it, you can study it, but you got to live it when you start living it, that's when your life changes. Well, my next question was going to be about your book. So well, uh, <laughs> look at us, segues, yeah, we're yeah. getting there. So, hey, we finally figured it out. We're yeah. so in tune. Yeah. We will never get through a segue though without mentioning, hey, look, we did a segue. Yeah. Well, I, I still think of the little scooters in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, I hate you. Um, God. But, so, so tell us more about your book. Well, you know, I got up one day during the pandemic and the first news feed was all the studios are closing down. I went, holy hell, how am I going to make a living? And my channel chimed in and said, 
The studios aren't your living. Your consciousness is your living. Get up every day and go, okay, what can I create today? And one day I got up and it said, write the book, not a book, the book. And I knew what they meant because I had been talking uh, on my radio show. That's every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Um, for months about all the private sessions that I had done. And when I asked specific questions, people weren't doing the work. They weren't doing it. They wanted to keep studying. They wanted to keep saying, well, how can I do this? And why isn't this working? And none of those are the right questions, you know? Mm -hmm. So I literally wrote a book on, there's step number one, here's step number two, here's step number three, and I walk you through all of it. And it's a short book, and it's an entertaining book. Look, I you can tell I talk like the girl next door. It ain't <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, okay? I, I mean, I have so much respect for Eckhart Tolle, but I can't get through his books. And I wanted to write a book that... Joe Blow, who's sitting down with a beer, can read and understand and start changing his life with. She's so talking that's... right to you, Jeff. Yeah. I'm, looking, I'm currently looking it up to buy it. Leave me alone. Unfortunately, it doesn't have pictures, so am I. I did, this, have... with, I did this with Artie Hoffman's book also. Is it a, oh, is it a pop-up book? Because Jeff will definitely be in. Mm. Jeff, you can do get... this. Fuck them. Don't listen to them. I don't get why they think I have like a, <laughs> like a first grade reading level. <laughs> you read more books than I do. I yeah, just... I don't to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can fine. actually read. Nick listens. <laughs> I, I listen would, to books. I would love to go out and have a beer with you guys. It must be so much fun listening. It very oh. quickly turns into the whole bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, would I would I, guess that. At but one point see, in college, I got the whole bus like we had a bus that drove us all back to our houses at from the bars so we didn't drive and i got the entire bus of complete strangers to sing all star by smash mouth with me and it was just my pure determination that i am singing the song i don't care what anyone else does and it was the best time of my life okay right there you summed up born oh, yeah. you all did right. i'm gonna do this and i'm having a lot of fun and I love it, and I'm getting everybody to do it, and I don't give a shit what everybody thinks. Come on, let's go. Oh. That's oh, how guys, you I create. basically just paid her for being here. I just bought the book, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when she Thank gets you, that little, Jeff. yeah, she gets her little payments. You're going to email dings. me and let me know how you like it, okay? I will. Okay. I should do that with Artie too when I finish it. <laughs> take, take a picture with your beer in your hand and the book in the other hand and send it to me. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> now I have to buy the book and I'm doing the same thing. Adam just wants to send you a picture. I just like Is it on Audible. <laughs> Oh. Adam, we'll get together and we'll we'll dress up. We'll get nice cardigans. We'll sit on your couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little candlelight in front of us with a all a glass of whiskey. I won't you can have believe a... it. I won't believe it if you send that. Well, good news, boys. 
It's on Audible. Sorry, Nick Who reads your audio? I do. You read it? Oh, Perfect. Yeah. This is amazing. Perfect. Do you swear at all during it? Fuck no. Oh. No. Well, I don't think so. I, I promise uh, when I do listen to your book, it'll be when I'm in my hot tub with a cigar and a beer. <laughs> that I promise you that. Hey, oh, man, now I want to read it. In the- you know, the more you, you have fun and are being happy, the more you create in your life. My uh, channel all the time says joy and love, joy and love, joy and love. That's what creates everything. My final question is, what is something that no one has ever asked you about that you want to talk about? So what would the question be and what would your answer be? Anything. What What is like your dream thing that you're like, man, I wish someone would ask me about this, but no one does. My dog. Well, how's your dog doing? Yeah. What kind of dog do you have? Yeah, well, I have a little Kelpie. She's a rescue. A Kelpie is one of the sheep herding dogs. And when we walk, she walks me like this. <laughs> I love her to death. She's my happy. Pl- oh, 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 look, she just loved on you. Oh, to Bubba. Here's my Kucho. Yeah, see, that's your happy place. <laughs> I teach everybody to find a happy place. And their happy place is the minute you think about somebody, something that opens your heart and puts a smile on your face. And for me, it's freedom. And anything you want to create, you go to your happy place. And that's what that feels like when you've got it. Um, I'm looking at a picture of my white shepherd that I had right before I got freedom. All my dogs have been rescues. Please, guys, if you're looking for a pet, go rescue. I've got this great shirt that says you can't buy love, but you can rescue it. (laughs) So it's a it's a cause near and dear to my heart. And, you know, whenever I'm off balance or pissed off or tired or I just go love on freedom and I'm, I get my balance right back. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's fantastic episode. Thanks so much for coming on our show, D. It, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Boy, it has. I would love to have you back on it. That would point. be great. Yeah, when we read your book. Yeah, yeah, next time you're doing a con in the Chicagoland area, we're going like, to okay. hit us up and connect. Um, we can then read the book in front of you while you do yeah. your con. Yeah, We'll bring a couch. We'll drop a couch off in front of the booth and we'll just. <laughs> oh, make sure you let me know if you're going to do that because I'll, I'll get a lot of PR there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You, know, you guys so much, are um, a hoot. Thank you. you. <laughs> we try. Where can we find Well, your if you want it, for, if you uh, want it signed by me, you can go to imdwallace.com or oh, you I'm can get that. all the books, all of my books on Amazon. Shit. The one time Amazon <laughs> bites me in the ass. <laughs> 
right. Oh, thanks, thanks so guys. much. Um, and you'll be receiving my order for a signed copy of your book any moment. Okay. Love you guys. Mean it. I have, have a great class. I really have. Yeah. Had thanks a for coming on. All right. Thank you. If you liked this episode, please give us your thoughts and join the conversation by rating and reviewing us, sharing this episode, and hitting us up over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also help us out by becoming a patron to the podcast. By becoming a patron, you get access to our private Discord server, our monthly movie review podcast, and you can even get access to the unedited video version of the episode you just listened to. All links are in the episode description. Don't forget to go to themisfitfaction.com. We're part of a network. So go to themisfitfaction.com and and check out Paul, Rob, and Ron over there. Um, They're great guys, and you should listen to their content as well. All right, that's it for this week. You hate to see it end, but fear not. We shall return. Same time, same place. Well, it's an entirely different experience. First of all, I am only doing a voiceover in the new Munsters. And I did it in my closet with a professional mic. Yeah, I I like that you said you did it in your closet because I know, I don't know if you know the new or newer uh, Disney animated movie, Luca, Disney Pixar, I think. So that whole movie was recorded the main actor record all of his lines in his closet for the whole yes. movie because it was all made during the pandemic. So he did See, it. Now we're all going into our closet instead of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>